Section 4 of The Black Cat, Volume 1, Number 5, February, 1896. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nemo. The Black Cat, Volume 1, Number 5, February, 1896. Section 4. A Telepathic Wooing by James Buckham. Dr. Amston was utterly and hopelessly in love with beautiful Miriam Foote, but in spite of his six feet of splendid manhood, or perhaps because of them, the young doctor was so timid in the presence of the fair sex, and particularly in the presence of the fascinating Miriam, that he could no more bring himself to utter a syllable of sentiment to that young woman than he could walk up to the venerable and dignified president of the state medical association and tweak his nose the two things seemed equally preposterous and impossible at this juncture of affairs curiously enough there fell into the hands of dr amston a book that offered a magical solution of the problem that perplexed him namely how to make love to the woman who had ensnared his heart without being conscious of doing it this book was called the law of psychic phenomena and its central theory was that the subjective mind or soul of any person by a process of auto-suggestion may enter into communication with the subjective mind of another person at any distance whatsoever a condition of sleep either cataleptic or natural is induced by the agent in himself but previously to falling to sleep he must concentrate his whole mental energy and will-power upon the determination to convey a certain image or message or both to the subjective mind of the person with whom he wishes to communicate then away goes his spirit his phantasm while he is buried in unconscious slumber appears in his very image to the person designated and delivers the message with his very voice and manner truly a marvellous theory and of untold significance to timid lovers and bashful solicitors of every kind according to this theory dr amston in order to make telepathic love to Miriam foot need simply drop to sleep on a certain night with a strong determination to send his phantasm to the young woman with an eloquent plea of affection that was all it was not even necessary for him to furnish the general substance introduction or any portion of this glowing address he need simply specify that it should be passionate in rich and verbal color ordering a proposal much as he would a dinner at a first-class hotel with perfect confidence that at the proper time it would be served in proper form to be sure this method of wooing was not in strict accordance 
with the traditional etiquette of such affairs it might even be considered that this proposal by a sort of phantasmal proxy was hardly fair to the object of the experiment a ghost is after all but a ghost whether it be attached to a bodily tenement or be simply a spirit at large and even the most heavenly-minded young woman might cherish a prejudice in favour of a fleshy lover on the other hand however the choice lay not between two methods of wooing but between this and none at all and how easy how delightful a method of making a proposal of marriage it could all be performed like a painful surgical operation during merciful sleep then the lover when next he met the lady in his everyday person would know by her manner whether she had accepted or rejected him the more dr amston considered this fascinating project the more trivial seemed his scruples against its fulfilment indeed he asked himself judiciously was it not a fundamental doctrine of metaphysics that only the soul was real and so-called matter was simply the shadow cast by the spirit this being the case his vulgarly named ghost was in reality no ghost at all while his bodily presence was the real phantasm having arrived at this comfortable though to the lay mind slightly abstruse conclusion amsden wavered no longer i will do it he said jumping to his feet i will do it to-night or no a few days must be given to subduing the flesh and concentrating the energies of the subjective mind on saturday evening at the time of my regular weekly call i will make an end to this painful uncertainty though i cannot but hope that she looks upon my suit with favour i shall never dare to broach the subject of love openly in the flesh my ghost or at least what is vulgarly known as a ghost shall speak and i will abide by the result on his return from dinner that evening dr amston locked all the doors and darkened all the windows of his apartments then after smoking a meditative cigar he went to bed it was barely eight o'clock in the evening when his head touched the pillow but as he had planned to send his image to miss foot at precisely nine o'clock before that young lady should have retired to her chamber he wished to have ample time to get himself to sleep besides he was really tired and drowsy which was certainly a favourable condition for his experiment he had feared that he would be excited and nervous but already the suggestion of sleep which he had been constantly reiterating for the past hour was beginning to tell upon his brain the formula i am about to go to sleep i am becoming sleepy i sleep was having a most magical effect dr amston dropped into the misty chasm of slumber in less than fifteen minutes after getting to bed but that fifteen minutes had been spent in strenuous command on the part of the objective mind that the subjective mind should go at precisely nine o'clock to the home of miss foot present itself 
in the exact and correct image of the lover and make an ardent appeal to the affections of the lady in about two hours amston awoke bathed in perspiration and feeling thoroughly exhausted he was not conscious of having dreamed at all and yet it seemed to him as if he had just shaken off a most horrible nightmare he arose lit the gas and consulted his watch it was just ten o'clock thank heaven he cried i did not wake before the time he went back to bed and fell instantly into the deep slumber of complete exhaustion from which he did not wake until late the next morning for two days he did not see miss foot then he summoned up courage to call upon her she came downstairs looking pale and anxious and the moment that amsden's eyes fell upon her his heart began to throb with suffocating violence undoubtedly his experiment had succeeded as far as the proposal was concerned but should his attitude be that of the accepted or rejected lover hardly noticing his stammering expression of solicitude for her altered looks Miriam led the way into the drawing-room and motioning him to a chair seated herself in a dim corner at the other side of the room then with her blue eyes lowered and her fingers twisting nervously she said dr amston i owe you an apology when you called two nights ago and asked me to be your wife i was too much agitated to answer you to tell the truth she continued reddening a little the eloquence of your words their poetry and melody so surprised and overcame me that i could not answer you as you deserved when i left you and walked to the other side of the room it was only that i might gain possession of myself and when i looked up and found you gone gone exclaimed amston groaning audibly yes gone like a spirit here miss foot paused while amston clutched at his chair feeling as though his whole body were turning to sand and dribbling down upon the floor without a word of good-bye i feared that i had mortally offended you and that you would never come back to then you were not angry because my ghost uh because i left like a ghost you wanted me to come back but why i i think you ought to know said the girl blushing and the next moment dr amston was kneeling at her feet i did it in a dream no i don't mean that i i mean this is a dream i ought to explain no don't try i understand said miriam softly the girl's head sank forward on his shoulder she was crying a little but she suffered her lover's arms to slip around her waist and into his trembling hand she pressed her own it was done the impossible the inconceivable and even amston felt in his heaving heart that he had never done anything so easy and so utterly delightful in his whole life it was true that miriam did not understand 
but Amston felt that at such a juncture any explanations would be not merely out of place, but even indelicate. To his credit be it said, however, that on one occasion, before his marriage, he attempted to confess to Miriam all the circumstances of his proposal, but while he was still struggling with his introduction, she stopped him with a peremptory gesture. I don't understand a word about subjective and objective minds, she said in a wounded voice. All I know is that you made me the most beautiful proposal I had ever heard, I mean imagined. But of course, if you want to take it back by saying that you were not responsible at the time. Whereupon, Amston was obliged to consume two delightful hours in assuring his sweetheart that he was a blundering fool, and that his metaphysical nonsense, translated, meant that it was his best self that had made that eloquent proposal, and that he was only afraid his everyday self was not one-tenth good enough for her. End of section 4